You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here on this rainy Sunday morning. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 5. Uh, we're in a series entitled The Gospel of John, and we are just working our way through uh, this book and, and going through each chapter. And so uh, we're going to be here over the next several weeks throughout the summer and encourage you guys to kind of read ahead, read the chapter um, before the week, and, 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 and then get prepared for that Sunday so that uh, you're kind of up to speed and encourage you guys to do that. If you go to your Bible app, um, you can actually download reading plans for the Gospel of John. And so I encourage you guys to uh, look through that and, and uh, make that a part of your day as well. And so um, I'm a dad of three girls and one boy. And one thing that I've learned as a parent is that I parent my son differently than I parent my daughters. And the reason why I do that, and I think it's smart to do that, is because they are so completely different. I mean, girls and boys are so different. They are night and day. When my daughters want to play and they say, Daddy, will you play with me? I know that that means A, Barbie dolls, or B, a board game, you know? And so I got to prepare myself mentally for that. When my son comes to me and he asks me to play, I know that that's going to be A, wrestling, hitting and punching each other, or going outside to play basketball, you know? So I'm preparing myself because that's the diff- you know, that's how different they are, um, I know when it comes to um, eating, things are different. You know, I, 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 I don't want my daughters to touch the steak knife. I want to cut that for them. It's just kind of naturally what, what I want to do, keep them away from sharp objects. My, my son doesn't even use an, a knife half the time. He just picks up the whole thing and eats it like a, you know, caveman. And so, you know, it's just boys and girls are just completely different. And so I, I relate to my daughters differently than I relate to my son. So as we look at the Bible today, what we're going to see is how God the Father relates to the Son, Jesus. And so if you've ever heard that Jesus is the Son of God, raise your hand really quickly. I'm going to see all over the room, Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you have heard and believe that Jesus is fully God? See, Jesus is fully God. Okay, hopefully you raise your hand for that one too. Now, Everybody's still playing this game with me. How many of you are confused by the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and fully God? Let me just see your hands. All over the room. How is that possible? You know, how is it that he is a son and yet he is fully God as well? Well, we're going to see in our scripture today how we can begin to process that in our mind. I'm not going to promise you that you're going to leave today with all of these wonderful truths all kind of smoothed out in your brain and you're going to understand it. You're not going to be confused anymore. However, I do hope that you kind of take that next step to understanding how God relates to the Son and and how the Son relates to the Father and and being able to put those two pieces together um, in your mind as we look at God's Word Let's start at chapter five. We're gonna start in in verse 16. We kind of covered that a little bit last week, but we really need to dive into it a little bit because it sets the stage for today. Remember Jesus, last week he healed the official's son and then he healed um, a man by a pool who was disabled. And so he he performed two miracles. And oh, by the way, wasn't that story last week um, amazing by Chelsea Kirby and the the family? And just just awesome. Yeah, you can can clap for that. If you missed it, man, it was incredible. You need to go online and watch it. Um, So let's go to verse 16 where it says this. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. 
So let's just stop right there. So the issue here is the Sabbath. They're upset at Jesus because he is working on the Sabbath. He's performing miracles and he's telling other people to work. Remember the man is healed. He's crippled. Jesus tells him to stand up and to pick up your mat and go. Well, the Jewish leaders, they were, they were incriminating Jesus and this man because they, they broke the Sabbath. One of the rules of the Sabbath was you couldn't pick something up and carry it to someplace else. And so the man broke the Sabbath law. He was being accused. Jesus is being accused of breaking the Sabbath because he's performing miracles. And so as, as Jesus is being um, accused here, he uses a word in verse 17. It's the word that we translate as answered. But it's a very unusual word that's not, very, uh, not found very often in the New Testament. Uh, but it was only used in, in the Greek writings in legal situations. So in a courtroom, when a charge is brought against someone in a courtroom, then they would use this word as they answered in response to the accusation. And so essentially the passage that we're jumping into today is Jesus' legally mindset. This is his framework. This is how he is defending the fact that he himself is God. If you look at the next verse in verse 18, it says this, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So this was, this was a huge offense. He's, he's equating himself to God. He's fully God. He's working on the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders were insanely upset at this. They wanted to kill him because of this. And so the issue here being the Sabbath, um, you think about the Sabbath law and, and, and a little background here to understand why they were so upset and, and why Jesus answered the way he does is the fact that uh, God created um, the earth in six days and then on the seventh day he rested. And then out of that concept comes the, the teaching of keeping the Sabbath holy. And this was an Old Testament principle that they had to follow. It was a Saturday. And we relate to the Sabbath differently now that Jesus has died. It's a new covenant. I'm not getting into that today. But um, for the Jews, they, they had to think through this. Because if God's resting on the seventh day, does that mean that he is not working? I mean, is God up in heaven, you know, kicking up the lazy boy, relaxing with a glass of iced tea today uh, because it's the Sabbath day, he's not working. Well, of course God is working. He can't stop working. I mean, if God stopped working, if he stopped sustaining the universe, it would be annihilated. You know, when somebody wanted to accept Christ, God wouldn't, you know, say, sorry, you can't receive Jesus today, I'm not working, you know? Wait till tomorrow, bro, it's not happening today. He's not doing that. You want your next breath? Uh, I can't do it today because I can't work. I can't give you that next breath, you know? No, God always is working. So the Jewish leaders understood that God is always working. So how do we kind of make this whole theological thing work if, if we're telling people they can't work, but God is working? Well, they did some theological gymnastics to kind of get away with this. And so what they said was, well, God's not of this realm. He's not of this world. And so he's not bound by our laws. And so it's okay for God to work. And so that's kind of how they smoothed it over with the people, even though that doesn't really make sense when you kind of practically work it out. But that's what they said. And so when they come to this concept of working on the Sabbath, they're mad at Jesus for working on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, my father is working now. And by the way, you guys are okay with the Father working, remember, because it's the Sabbath, but God never stops working. So you're okay with him not working. And oh, by the way, I am as well. 
And so that's why Jesus is equating himself. That's why the scripture says he's equating himself to God at this point. Because he's saying, God's working, you're okay with that, so I'm working, and you have to be okay with that. Why? Well, because I am God. If you're taking notes today, the first concept we want to understand is that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus and the Father are one. God never stops working. My Father is working now, and I am working. So, so, so as we think about this, this is one of those concepts that's hard for us to understand. The Father and the Son are one. We call it the Trinity. The word Trinity is not actually in the New Testament. Uh, it's a word that we came up with. I say we loosely, not me, but you know, our church fathers came up with this word to help us understand the concept that there are three persons and one God. And so God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, unified God, and yet there are three persons and they have a unique role or a unique function in how they exist in the world. So the Father is sending the Son to redeem mankind. The Son is on mission to redeem the world, dies on the cross for our sins, is raised from the grave, and then the Holy Spirit applies that salvation to us and allows us to grow in our faith with him. And so each uh, part of the Trinity is, is God all moving, all leading, and, and all unified in, in one individual unique God. Now that's a hard concept for us sometimes to understand, but it's taught all throughout Scripture. And so, so we, we affirm that truth and we know that, yes, Jesus and the Father are one, and yet we also know that, this, that, that Jesus is called the Son. And so let's read a few verses to help us to begin to process this. Let's look at verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So in other words, Jesus the son copies the father. Everything that the father does, Jesus does. And so they're unified. They're doing the same thing because whatever the father is doing, Jesus is doing. Now, if you're a dad or, or, or mom, you, this happens with our kids. You know, when, when our kids are little, especially, they, they play the copycat game. I don't know what the name is really, but you know, all of a sudden you're sitting on the couch hanging out and, and you know, you cross your legs and then you notice that your son or your daughter, they cross their legs, you know? And then you pick up a book and start reading a book and then they find a book and they start reading the book. You know, you scratch your head, they scratch their, you know, their head. And, and so they just kind of copycat everything that you're doing. You pick your nose and they pick their nose, the whole thing, you know. And so, so we, we kind of see them mimicking us and they're copying us. And we can kind of relate to this idea that our children, you know, they mimic us. They do what we do. And, and so there's, there's, you know, the kind of the concept is we reproduce who we are. We reproduce what we are. And so... You might have this big vision for your kids and you want them to do this and to do that and to look this way and to have this and, 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 and to do these things. And yet, um, you know, we kind of reproduce who we are. And so that's why it's important that we model to them what we want them to be. 
We can't say we want them to be and to do something and then you know, we're modeling something different. They're, they're, they're gonna model what we actually do and what we actually believe. And so it's important as a parent to think through that. And so in that, in that same vein, as a mom, as a dad, we can kind of relate here to what Jesus is saying that I do, I copy, I do everything that the Father does. Let's continue, verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. So it starts here by saying the Father loves the Son. This is another important point that we want to grasp today. This is how they relate to each other. The son is copying the father. They're doing the same thing. And the father is loving the son. Now, you may say, well, of course, you know, the father loves the son. But when you think of it in this uh, realm, it maybe is questioned a little bit. Like the father's will is that the son dies. Who's responsible for the death of Jesus? Well, ultimately, the father is because it was his will. He um, desired and wanted and purposed Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And so you may look at that and think, well, man, is that really loving that the Father would send Jesus to the cross? But we see in the scriptures that Jesus is not forced to do this. He willingly accepts this. He willingly does this. He gives his life up on his own accord. And so the Father is loving the Son even in the cross because the Father knows that it is through the cross and His resurrection that He will be glorified, that He will be honored, that we will lift Him high and we will, we will worship Him and we will receive Him because of His sacrifice and His love because it is the Father sending Him, but it is His love that's sending Jesus as well, His love for his son. And so, yes, we see that he does, in fact, love the son. Now, let's, let's keep going. Verse 21, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. So the father loves the son, but the father and son both give life. So this is important because it's not just God in the beginning creating the heavens and the earth. Jesus himself is there creating the heavens and the earth as well. So it's not like God created Jesus. He has eternally existed with the Father. In fact, the Holy Spirit has eternally existed with the Father as well. So in the beginning, God, that means Jesus, is creating life and breath and everything in the world. And so when we look at our life, we know that it is God who gives us life. It is Jesus. It is the Son who gives us life as well. Physically, he has allowed us to be born. So we are alive today, which means that you are not an accident. No matter what you've gone through, no matter how desperate you are today, no matter how depressed you might find yourself today, you are not an accident. God created you, and, and you are actually in this building today because God has directed you to be here. It's his purpose that you would be here. Nothing that God does is by accident. It's all by design. And so we give God credit for that, but we also give the Son, Jesus, credit for that because he gives us life as well. If we are a sinner, we all are, and we accept Christ into our life, he gives us a brand new life. Our sins are forgiven. Um, we, we, we are a new creation in him, and we receive that because of the Father and the Son. God himself gives us this new life. As a believer in Jesus, I still struggle with sin. 
you still struggle with sin. And so as I struggle with sin and my, maybe my heart is hardened towards certain sin in, in my life and I'm, I'm dealing and struggling with that, uh, maybe it affects my marriage. And as my marriage is affected by that sin, it slowly and slowly becomes dead. You don't wake up one day and realize that you're in a dead marriage. You know, it, it kind of happens progressively, you know, and then we're like, man, our marriage stinks. And it's like, well, it didn't happen overnight. It's been dying a slow death. And, and so how do we overcome that? Well, the son gives life to a dead marriage. The son gives life to a dead uh, career. You're like, man, my career is dead. It's going nowhere. I don't know what to do. We're not making money and this and this and this. Well, how do you get a new life in your career where the son gives life as we pursue him and follow him and trust him? Not overnight, but as we struggle with him and pursue him, he gives life. So, so we were created. Augustine came up with this, one of our church fathers, many, 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 many years ago. He said there's a God-sized hole in our heart. And we try to fill our heart with all kinds of things. Our, our, our satisfaction um, is, is really what that means. And we try to be satisfied with, you know, maybe it's sex, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's money. And we're trying to, to satisfy ourselves with all of these different things. But at the end of the day, it, it all comes up empty. And the reality is the only way that we truly experience life real, true, authentic life. And, and the only way that we experience peace in this life is when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so some of you today maybe will do that for the first time because you've never actually given your heart to him. You've never actually given your life to him. And, and so you're in this place where you, you, you know that spiritually you're dead or you, maybe you, you are a believer, but you know there are areas of your life that, that, that's dead and, and you need new life to be you know, breathe into you and, and the son can do that. Jesus wants to give us life. And so let's continue in verse 22. He says this, <clears throat> the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. So the father has given authority to the son to judge. The father is not judging, the son is judging so don't, don't be confused. It's not as if God's not gonna judge us for our life and for our sins. No, we will face judgment, but the Father has given this duty, this role to the Son. So we are to honor him. Let's continue, verse 23. He says that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. So we, we honor the judge, right? We call him your honor. And so God has given the son this role to judge us that we would recognize him as our authority, as, as our judge, and we would bring him honor, that all honor would come to the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to Life. And so what we're seeing here is that the, the, the Father desires that we would bring honor to the Son. And if we do not bring honor to the Son, then we cannot, will not bring honor to the Father. Now this is a very important biblical concept for us because in our day and time, the culture would say, let's just love everybody. 
Let's just include everybody and let's just say that however you want to live your life is fine. You just do your deal, bro, and I'm not going to condemn or judge you and, and you just let me live my life and don't condemn or judge me. And, and so, so we're kind of living in this, you know, this culture where we want to walk on eggshells and not condemn people. Well, that leads to chaos. That doesn't lead to, that, that's not a loving kind thing to offer somebody. It's, it's, it's really unkind and hateful not to share the truth with them. Um, I think it's all on how we come across and how we share the truth. We're not going to, you know, beat people in the head with a Bible and we're not going to yell, turn or burn. You know, that's not really effective. Um, so what we want to do is, is share the love of, of Christ in practical, significant ways. But make no mistake about it. You cannot honor God if you do not honor Jesus. And so a, a practicing Mormon from a scriptural standpoint will not experience eternity in heaven because they do not honor the Son. They do not embrace the deity of Jesus. They, they, in, in their writings, they have completely disaffirmed the fact that Jesus and the Father are equal. Therefore, don't honor the Son, you're not honoring the Father. So we, we, we cannot affirm the fact that somebody, and look, this is not popular you know, this is not, this is, you know, you're not going to hear very many politicians, you know, teaching this stuff, even if they are a believer, uh, because this is offensive. But, but a practicing um, Jehovah's Witness, a practicing um, a Muslim, you, you name it. There's not a religion out there that can claim that they honor creator God if they do not honor the Son. And none of those Religions would honor the Son as Savior, as King, as Lord. Therefore, they cannot honor the Father. And so we want to be very careful. You know, we just, we just honored some, some um, high school graduates, some college graduates. You know, you're going into the workforce. You're going into college settings, into classroom settings where professors would, would call you arrogant or maybe even call you an idiot if you believe that Jesus is the only way to God. And so... With that fact, first off, we've got to be ready to embrace the criticism, but we also have to be strong enough to believe that, and we just went through a series on this is God's word. And so if this is God's word to us, then this is where my hope and my foundation is. And very clearly, I can't honor God if I don't honor Jesus, and so I honor Jesus. And you may not believe that, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I want you to know the truth. If, you're, if there's a car bomb in your car today when you go out and I don't tell you, then I'm not a very good friend, am I? You know, I'm gonna warn you if there's a car bomb, you know, attached to your car. And so, so I'm gonna warn you today and say, don't honor Jesus, don't honor the Father, don't believe in Jesus, you will face judgment. What kind of judgment? What kind of judgment is he talking about here? Let's continue. He says this in verse 25, truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So if we hear the voice of the Lord and we receive him into our life, we experience life and we will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment. Again, Jesus is our judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So all those who have already died, they're dead and buried and they're in the grave. They will hear his voice and they will come out. 
Those who have done good will go to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So there is a voice of the Lord that is coming, and everyone on earth, dead or alive, will hear that voice. If we are dead and we are in our grave, our soul will be reunited with our body in that moment. And if we are believers in Christ, we will live and go to the resurrection of life and live with him forever. Those who have not put their faith and trust in Christ will then go and be united to Jesus as their judge and stand before him condemned. Believers in Christ will not be punished for their sin because Jesus has already taken our punishment. Those without Christ, those who've rejected the voice of God, rejected that call to to come to him for salvation, to honor him, they will stand before him as their judge and they will receive the due punishment for their sins. There, There is no payment at that point. There is is nothing in your life that you can say, well, I did this or I did that. There is no work that you can accomplish that's going to earn you a pass on that judgment day. Apart from Christ, the due punishment for your sin is in eternity apart from him in hell. So he says, you will hear this voice. If you receive this call, this voice of salvation, this call of salvation, you'll receive life. But there will be one day when everyone will hear the voice of God and will respond. When I say the voice of God, some of you, some of you are taken by that phrase, the voice, and you're thinking Adam Levine and Blake Shelton right now. It's like, man, the finale is this week, bro. Come on, you know, you're pumped, you're excited, you're, you're a voice fan. Um, growing up, my dad had um, two voices. He had, he had the normal voice and he had the oh crap voice. You know, the voice where if you don't respond to that voice, you're, you're in trouble. You got to tote the line when, when the oh crap voice comes into play. Okay. And so, so here, Jesus has this voice and maybe you're ignoring it. Maybe you're not responding to it. Maybe you're, you know, you're kind of doing your own thing. You're not honoring that. You're just rejecting that today. But the one voice when he calls on that day, you will have to respond. I remember growing up, um, I was a big He-Man fan. Any He-Man fans in the room today? Like I was a big time He-Man fan. He was like this Conan the Barbarian figure and uh, he had this cat, this big old tiger named Battle Cat, you know? And um, it, it, was just a, it was just a phenomenal kind of, you know, awesome deal as a kid. And, and um, he had this, this, this girl, Tila, you know, she, you all remember Tila, don't you? And so I remember Tila, and she was in the show too. And so, so um, he, he would always fight Skeletor. That was his arch nemesis, you know? And by the power of Grayskull, he became He-Man, and, and, the, and the tiger became Battle Cat. And so they were always fighting, good versus evil. And, and uh, Skeletor was, was always trying to defeat him and become the master of the universe, you know? So I remember watching the commercial, or not the commercial, but the actual cartoon one, one Saturday morning, and, and um, there was a phrase that just kind of stuck with me in that cartoon that day. Um, Skeletor was fighting against He-Man. They were kind of going toe-to-toe once again, and, and Skeletor said, ha, 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 He-Man, you will never defeat me, you fool. And that just kind of stuck in my mind, and so after the show, I got my my action figures, because they weren't dolls, they were action figures. And, and so we, you know, I went outside and I was playing with my action figures and I was beating up things and, 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 and you know, with He-Man and Skeletor and I had a whole deal. And I went to the garage where my dad was out there in the garage, he was working on something. And, 
And as he was working on something, I went in there, just started playing, and, and we had a dog, and our, our, our dog, Trouble, came in there. It was his name, Trouble, because he got in all kinds of trouble, so that's what my dad named him. Um, and so um, <clears throat> I went up to Trouble, and we were playing, and I was like, Trouble, you'll never defeat me, you fool. And I remember dad in the background, he said, Trent, don't say that word. And I didn't pay attention to him, and I just kept going. I just kind of ignored his voice, and, and the cat ran in, and I started playing with the cat. Our cat's name was Tigger. One day Tigger left me and he never came home again. And that's a different story. Um, he's still out there running around somewhere in Ohio. But um, he's in cat heaven. I don't know. So, so I, I was playing with Tigger and I said, Tigger, you will never defeat me, you fool. Dad said in the background, Trent, don't say that word. I kept playing and next thing I know, I'm over there kind of sparring with dad as he's working, you know. I'm kind of karate chopping him and kind of doing the dance and hanging out with him and kind of have my action figures. And I said, dad, you will never defeat me, you fool. You remember that second voice I was talking about? <clears throat> dad spun around and he's 6'4", he's a big dude, you know. And he's got a really deep voice, but at that moment it like, it like dove 100 octaves, you know, it was like a thundering boom. And he got down on his knee and he got eye to eye with me, nose to nose. And he said, Trent, don't ever call your father a fool. And I peed in my pants. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's no reason to lie. Just right there. Just a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I've never called my father a fool since, you know. The first couple of times... I ignored his voice. I didn't pay attention to his voice. His voice didn't change my behavior. But that final voice, the toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, eye-to-eye voice of my father, that changed me. <laughs> I recognized that one. It changed my behavior, and I was different ever since. And so my point here is that some of you... <clears throat> Some of you may be rejecting the voice of Jesus in your life. Some of you are ignoring the voice of Jesus. It's like you know what you are doing is sin, and yet you continue to operate in that sin as if, as if nothing is, is, is going to come of that, as if you're not going to be judged for that, as if, as if, as if you're not going to experience any consequences for, for those bad choices, that sin in your life. And so you're continually rejecting God, ignoring the voice of Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when you will be toe-to-toe with Jesus. And you will not be able to ignore him on that day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 have this day in mind when it says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So this is the day that, that I believe he's, he's referring to. This is the day Paul is talking about to the church in Thessalonica. And this is the, this is the hour that is coming there's coming an hour where we will all face the consequences of our life and our sin. And, and if we believe in Jesus today, we will be facing him as, as our redeemer and savior and we'll live with him in heaven. We will not face him as our judge. 
because we've received him into our life. But if we reject this voice, this call to receive him as Savior and Lord, then we will stand before him as our judge. He will execute judgment and we will receive that due penalty, which is hell forever. But if you'll receive that call today, if you'll respond to his voice today, repent of your sin, turn to him, he'll redeem you, he'll save you, he'll change you. And you'll experience life with him in this life, but then in the life to come. See, the bottom line today, if you're taking notes, is that if you submit to Jesus, if you submit to him, then you'll experience life. If you reject or or stand against the voice of Jesus, then you'll receive judgment. Submit to the voice of Jesus, receive life. Stand against the voice of Jesus and face punishment. At the end of the day, you and I have to make that decision because the voice of the Lord is very clear to us and his call to salvation is, is right before our eyes. Let's continue. As he continues to, to share how this relationship works, he begins to transition now in this last passage of scripture, verses 30 and following. Remember, this is his legal um, defense of why he can do what he's doing and, 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 and why he's allowed to work on the Sabbath and, and why he's equating himself to the Father. And so he said, here's why, here's my relationship to the Father. I am God, he loves me, I love him, I do everything that he says. You know, we are one. And, and he's given me the, the role of executing judgment so that you would honor me. So I am honored um, in, in his eyes because we are one. And now he goes to the witnesses. And so in a court of law, if you've been accused of a crime, then you would bring forth witnesses to, you know, in favor or against, you know, the, the, the person that is accused of the crime. Jesus is accused of a crime. So he brings forth the witnesses. Now, he, he, he would know that the Jewish leaders at this time looked to the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, as their rule, as their law. And so in the law, in Deuteronomy, it says that you cannot bring a charge against someone or to convict somebody of a crime, you had to have at least two or three witnesses against that person. And so you could not bear false witness. That was actually the ninth commandment. That was a very big deal. Uh, remember back in the day, they didn't have fingerprint, you know, testing and DNA testing. And they didn't have cameras surveilling, you know, the crime scene. And so essentially, if you, if I was to bring a charge against you, my neighbor, uh, I would have to bring witnesses to prove that you did whatever. If, you, if I said, you know what, so-and-so stole you know, stole my property, I would have to bring two witnesses at least that would corroborate my testimony to get a conviction. If I didn't have that, I could not convict you. They, the judge could not rightly convict you. And so when a witness goes to the stand in our culture, they put their hand on the Bible and they say, I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so the witness and the testimony of the witness allows the judge to make a, a more accurate decision. And so Jesus calls on four different witnesses here. He says, these are the people, these are the things that are gonna corroborate my claim that I'm God, that I'm equal to the Father, that he and I, he's my dad, I'm his son, I'm sent by him on a mission for him. I'm equal to him. I give life just like him. And the first person he calls to the witness stand is John the Baptist. Look with me at um, verse number 33 here. He says this, you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. In other words, he, Jesus is the truth and, and John has bore witness about 
The truth, verse 34, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. In other words, there were many people that rejoiced in the coming of John the Baptist. There were many people that looked to him as a prophet. Many of these leaders actually looked to John as somebody who who had his stuff together. He He was a prophet. He was doing a good work. And Jesus says, he's my first witness. You agreed with him. You love him. Many of you loved him. Many of you followed him. Many of you said that his word was, was good. And, 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 and don't forget what he said about me. He said that I was the lamb of God, here to take away the sins of the world. He, he was here to prepare the way for me. So he points to John as somebody who is a witness for him that, that, that said, yeah, he's the real deal. Jesus points to him first, and then he points to his own work, his miracles, his life, his body of work. Look at verse 36. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me, the Father has sent me. So he says, the very works that I'm doing, that's a witness that I am who I am saying that I am, that God is in my life that is through the power of God that I'm doing these things. I'm healing dead people. I'm healing sick people. I'm healing people that are crippled. I'm turning water into wine. I'm healing the blind man. I'm doing all these things and God has given me the power to do this. And so he's saying my ministry, my work is evidence that I am doing the work of God. I am who I said I am. His ultimate act is going to be raising Lazarus from the dead in this gospel. Ultimately, it's going to be raising himself from the dead. That's going to corroborate his entire story. Now, the next person he calls to the witness stand in verse 37 is the Father, God himself. Look at verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. So he says, God himself is bearing witness about me. He's speaking. He's already shared this stuff. Let's continue. He says this, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. He says, you've never seen his form. You've never heard his voice until now. Now you see the form of God. I am, I am God in human form. And you hear my voice, that means you're hearing the voice of God In verse 38, it says, and you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe the one who he has sent. So you hear it, but you haven't believed in it because you don't believe in me. He calls on the Father. And then lastly here in verse 39, he calls on the Holy Scriptures themselves. These men have devoted their entire life to the Scripture, studying the Scripture. And here's what he says. You search the Scripture Because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. (laughs) In other words, he says, all of the scripture that you are studying and that you devoted your life to, it's bearing witness about me. But you're not getting it. You're not seeing it. But they all point to me. Hop on down to verse 45. Do you not think that I will accuse you to the Father? There is one who accuses you, Moses, on on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. In other words, Moses is writing about me. The very man, Moses, who you adore was pointing to me, and yet you're rejecting me. Here are the four witnesses he calls to the stand, and he says, look, this is, this is, this is, 
why you can believe in me. This is why you can trust in me. Here are four people, four areas that prove that I am who I said I am, but they don't believe. Why? Why can they not believe? Look at verse 44. Here's why. How can you believe? When you receive glory from one another, then do not seek the glory that comes from God. The reason why they cannot believe is because they would rather have the glory from man than give glory to God. They would rather receive glory from their bank account. Look at what I have accomplished. Look at what I have. They would rather receive glory from their children. Look at how talented they are. Look at how wonderful they are. And we would rather experience that form of love or that form of glory instead of give glory to God. And that's the reason. So the voice of God is, is being, being given to all of us. The voice of salvation and that call is for each one of us today. Will you respond to it? Will you say yes to it? Will you give your heart and life to Jesus? Will you receive him as Lord and as Savior? You know, when I was, um, we were living in Knoxville and my kids were really, really little. Um, we didn't even have our fourth daughter at this time. Um, our youngest, Brooke, was three. Our um, son was four. And then our oldest was, was six at this time. And, and uh, my grandmother in Ohio passed away. And uh, she was a really, really sweet woman. She believed in the Lord, went to church her whole life, and um, just, just was, was a great, great person. And, and so for us, this was the first time that we had to really deal with death in our family. And, and as, as kids, they, they actually had a relationship with her. Uh, she lived on a farm in Ohio, and so she was rightly named Grandma on the Farm. And so that's how my kids knew Grandma on the Farm. And um, so when she passed away, I remember we were going up there for a funeral to Ohio, and, and my kids, they were sitting on the steps in our house. And, and it, was, it wasn't like a planned moment, hey, we're going to talk through the death of, of your grandmother. It just kind of happened, you know, one of those moments. Um, little background, my son at the time, he was a big elephant fan. He, he still really admires elephants. And, and he had this little um, stuffed animal elephant, and he couldn't say the word elephant as a, as a little kid. And, and, and instead of elephant, he, he used the word yeah. Yaya. I don't know how that works, but he called this elephant Yaya. That's what he slept with all the time and all that kind of stuff. And, and my, my daughter, Brooke, she was a big Tinkerbell fan. Um, and so everything Tinkerbell, uh, she was all about movies, books, toys. She even had a Tinkerbell costume. And she was actually wearing the Tinkerbell costume when we were having this conversation. She wore it so much that the wings, one of the wings was broken off, you know. And so that's how much she, she adored it. So back to the story. So we're, they're, they're playing. Um, they're doing their deal. And all of a sudden, uh, Bailey asked a question, is grandma on the farm in heaven? And so I sat down and they're all like glued to me at this point. And I said, you know what? I believe that grandma is in heaven because she believed in Jesus. And Bailey said, am I going to die? And I said, you want to get some pizza? <laughs> no, I wanted to say that. Um, but I said, well, honey, you know, she's sick. So I'm kind of smoothing this. I said, well, honey, yeah, you know, because we all sin, we're all going to die. But 
If we have our faith in Jesus, then, then death isn't a bad thing. It, it's actually something we don't have to fear because death just means that we get to be with Jesus. And so I thought it was a great explanation. You know, it made, made total sense. And, and so she, she's starting to tear up and, and uh, she, she's, you know, a little, little afraid at this point. And, and, and then I noticed my son, Bryson, he's tearing up. And, and I'm like, buddy, you know, you don't have to be sad. You know, death is not a bad thing. Remember, we just get to be with Jesus. And he said, I don't want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Yahya. <laughs> and so I threw all my theology out the window and I said, Yahya's going with you, buddy. <laughs> He's going to be there. Stop crying, you know. I don't know if he is or not, but <clears throat> it's a different story. And then Brooke, she is our tender, tender-hearted child. And so she is the lip curler upper, you know. That one, you know, so she was like totally, she's three, remember, so lip is curled up, big old alligator tears coming down, and so I'm, I'm frantically trying to put all this together, you know, I'm like, Micah, where are you, you know, and so here I am, and, and, and she's, she's crying at this point, and she says, Daddy, I can't go to heaven, and I said, Honey, why, do you, why would you say that, and she said, I have tights, but I don't have any wings, <laughs> And it broke my heart. <laughs> and I remember that story. And so, you know, obviously, we don't need wings to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, we don't, there's nothing that we can do to earn heaven. It's by faith. When we believe and trust in Jesus, that we're able to, when the trumpet sounds for that final time, and that final voice comes, the voice that we will not be able to ignore, the voice that we will not be able to hide from will look at us toe to toe, eye to eye, nose to nose and say, what did you do with my son Jesus? And it's at that point that, that we will either say, you know what, my faith is in Christ and so we'll rise to the resurrection of life or we'll be condemned forever. So my question for you today is what are you doing with the voice of Jesus in your life today? Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect, sinless life. He was the perfect sacrifice on the cross. Why was he dying? He was dying to pay the penalty that you and I owed for our sin, death, blood. And because he paid that penalty for us, now we don't have to experience the punishment that we deserve in hell. And so I would call on all of you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus today, that that offer is given to you right here, right now. You don't have to doubt any longer. You don't have to worry about it any, anymore. If you simply say yes to Jesus today, he can save you. He can give you a brand new life. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll totally transform your life and you can begin to live for him for the rest of your life. Let me ask you to bow your heads as we close today and wrap this up. Some of you in the room would, would probably say, I'm ready to receive Jesus. And, and um, God's been dealing with you. God's brought you here today for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. It may be this moment right here, right now. Would there, would there be anybody that would say, you know what, Trent, I'm struggling with that question right now. Would you pray for me this morning? You just lift your hand up and say, pray for me right now. Anybody at all that would say that? Anybody in the room say, I'm kind of struggling with that. I see you back there. Anybody else? I say, I'm kind of dealing with this. So I want to encourage you to do before you go home today. Before you leave, I want you, as soon as you walk out these back doors, there's a room to your left. 
It's called the prayer and care room. And we've got some amazing, awesome people that hang out in there. And every single Sunday, whatever's on your heart, whether it's you need prayer, you need some counsel, or if you're in the room today and you would say, I, I think I need Jesus and I'd like to think through this a little bit more. I need somebody to explain it a little bit more. And I'd like to accept Christ in my life today. They're in there waiting for you. And so I invite you to go there today and to spend some time with them before you leave. Jesus is alive and well, and he wants to change our life and help us experience life to the fullest. Don't miss out on what he has for you. Listen to his voice today. Listen to his call today to receive him as Lord and as Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. I pray, God, that your hand would just cover us today. For those in the room that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that you would lead them to respond and talk to somebody today. Maybe they'll talk to the friend that brought them. Maybe they'll go to the prayer and care room and and spend some time with one of our counselors. Lord, this is such a serious issue that we don't wanna breeze past it. Help us to hear you, not reject you, not ignore you, help us to follow you in every way. For believers in the room, maybe there's sin in their life and they're, they're following their own glory. They want glory for themselves and they are not giving you honor in how they're living, how they're dealing with their relationships. Lord, change them. Help them to see the truth and the light that they're only hurting themselves. Lead us to repentance today and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue in the Gospel of John. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.